Time Out with Manu Kakopian. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Time Out with Manu Kakopian. Today we are joined by Bill Rumble for a continuation of our conversation from last week. And um, Bill, as you all know by now, is the biographer of Kirk Kerkorian, uh, published the book The Gambler in 2018, which has uh, it started in, in, which was published in a hardcover and now is in paperback. Bill has uh, spent his 36-year career at the Los Angeles Times as a writer and editor, produced a collection of high-profile projects. He's written three books, and um, he's kind enough to, to join us on the show today. And um, Bill and I actually met when I purchased The Gambler last last year during the holidays, and I devoured the book in, in a few days, and I ended up... Um, I was so fascinated by his story that when Bill wrote in the book that Kirk was buried at the Inglewood Park Cemetery here in California, I decided to make a trek and and check out his gravesite and just out of curiosity. One night I was covering a sporting event at the Forum and the cemetery ended up being across the street. So I ended up checking it out. I was um, motivated and excited enough to to write a story for the Armenian Weekly, uh, documenting my experience and kind of reviewing the book at the same time. And um, the the story made its way to Bill, who ended up messaging me. And as uh, as two journalists went, they they connected, and here we are today, um, talking about the book in detail for. Uh, everyone to get a better idea about it. And Bill, thanks a lot for, for joining us again. And uh, I think where we left off last week was that Kirk, obviously with his expeditions to Las Vegas at this time and his love for the aerospace industry, at this point he was he was making a name for himself and also making a few dollars. But when did he really first make that first million? Well, yeah, he... Uh he was doing just as a as a owner of a um, of a charter air service. He was making a, a nice living. He was not, however, uh, a, a wealthy man yet. And he, but an odd thing happened. A uh, a, a car company that was on the verge of uh, going out of business uh, and uh, Studebaker. You may have heard of it. Historic name, but it's a this auto company decided to to buy Kirk's. Uh, a charter air service in, in the hope that they could diversify into another form of transportation. Um, as Kirk ran it very well. And uh, so they paid Kirk um, uh, X amount for the, for, for the, uh, air, for the uh, rights to, 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 to merge the, his company into theirs, but he, they paid him a $1 million one time, one time only sort of like a signing bonus. Kirk took that million dollars though, because Kirk, always turned anything he made into a gamble, uh, into a, a further wager. And he put, took that million and invested in a piece of property on the Strip. Uh, it wasn't the Strip yet in those days, but it was a piece of sand, uh, a big chunk, of like 40 acres of sand. And it was considered kind of lousy property because while it was near it was just off the Strip, it had it, the frontage, the frontage property, a bunch of little lots weren't 
uh, did not have access to the strip. So it it ha- but he paid a million. In this lot, he he negotiated trading some land here and there so that he could get access to the uh, strip through uh, trading off these little properties that were in the way, and turned it into a piece of property that was worth a lot more, and it became the property that. Uh, a, a developer from 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 Georgia wanted to build what became Caesar's Palace. So Kirk Kirk be, was the landlord for Caesar's Palace for the for a few years before he was bought out. But this got him into not just Las Vegas uh, as a as a gambler, and, uh, but as a uh, gave him a taste of having his own place. So and he had this. He ended up getting his buying his uh, airline back, and then he. He, from Studebaker, and uh, and it, it and he worked it for a couple more years, uh, and turned that into a an IPO uh, to bring in some public investors into his into the airline, and uh, that ended up uh, getting him uh, in business with a fellow named George Mason, who is a Fresno Armenian, who uh, was a an invest a, a worked for investment companies. Anyway, George handled the IPO, and. It turned out it started off very very slow, uh, but then uh, these ranchers and farmers in Fresno, Armenian, the Armenian community of Fresno, uh, knew got to, knew about Kirk and his uh, his well run airline. They started investing, and all of a sudden, the uh, the share value of Kirk's uh, airline just shot up, and all the Armenian uh, farmers that invested made a fortune, but Kirk made. Two hundred million, <laughs> roughly, <laughs> not, just not, roughly. <laughs> not a not a bad chunk of change, and this yeah. is you know from a timeline perspective, this is uh, right around the '60s, and I think yeah, that late was 60s, right. this was really when he was hitting on every single thing he touched, one after another. Yeah. Uh, if I remember correctly, uh, like you said, the the land ended up uh, being developed on. Um, he ended up buying MGM movie studios. He ended well, that's, up- that's the thing. He made he took that two hundred million that he made and he put it all back on the table again uh, to to bet. And he bought he bought Western Airlines. Uh, he bought um, MGM Studios, a film company, and he bought he he started a, a new uh, hotel, the biggest hotel in the world, called the International in Las Vegas. So all three of these were major gambles. All 200 million of his fortune was in play. And uh, it, it, to me, it, it, sign- it was such a Krakorian thing to, to take everything he had and roll the dice again. And specifically with the MGM Studios, um, one of the coolest anecdotes I think I remember from the book was that in the 1930s, he was working as a day laborer <laughs> for 40 cents an hour and then he buys and sells the company three times yeah. i mean how cool is that oh it's great he can, uh, yeah he had been he had done a summer uh, as a working in the civilian conservation corps up in the sequoias with a friend of his for a dollar a day and they came back all buff because they'd been doing all this outdoor labor and he goes they go the two of them went went to to the uh to the back door of MGM and waited to be and so the guys the guy that from the studio says oh we need somebody to move some rocks because they were moving rocks in an aquarium for underwater shoots and uh, so that's what Kirk and his buddy did and 
Do you think yeah. do you think his rough upbringing really made him value the dollar even more? I think what it did it made him value the fun of making the dollar. Mm-hmm. I don't think he valued dollars at all. Um, he uh, it's because it, he kept risking them. Mm-hmm. They weren't they didn't matter to him. The 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 experience mattered, uh, and using it to help people mattered. But but Kirk was never never kept score with with the dollar, and he 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 enjoyed risking it. And in fact, even after he made his billions, he he would talk to friends about, ah, gee, so much fun to do it again. Maybe I should just lose it and start over, because he just loved the process, the risk, the making it, um, and he he gave it all away. You understand? Oh yeah. Uh, his, uh, his charitable efforts have been, uh, highly publicized, even though he never wanted for it to be known. Uh, I think the final tally, um, during his, uh, his contributions were from the Lindsay foundation. I believe he left his final 2 billion behind, uh, all, to, all, to, all to charity. And the thing is he, he gave away tons before that. The Lindsay foundation he created, when he was giving money to the Armenian community, the Armenian to Armenia, after the earthquake, he was having he was it became such a big project, so much money involved. Before that, he would give away a million, a uh, hundred thousand, uh, five million, whatever. He gave it away without having to keep track of it. He just did it on his own, and and always with the caveat. You can't tell anybody about this. You can't tell anyone I did this. I don't want any thank yous. I don't want any tributes. I don't want any publicity. And and but what happened with the with, with his giving uh, with the airlift to, to take supplies to Armenia was it was too public. He had at that point uh, have a, a more um, formal uh, way of doing it, and uh, that was Lindsay. Yeah, the the 1988 earthquake obviously was, uh, I think, one of the darkest periods uh, in Armenian history. Really changed the, um, the the structure of the country, which actually led to an immigration boom here to the United States and and in California. But you know, Kirk was doing his best to really keep the country alive. He would be airlifting, like you said, financing goods using his own planes. Um, he, you know, and I think, um, you know, it. it it, it it was kind of a, a cool bookmark towards the end when he he made the the promise the hundred million dollar film, um, which was the the Armenian genocide film starring Christian Bale and, and a slew of others. Um, but a, a lot of people also said Kirk Kerkorian ruined Hollywood with the, the way he handled his MGM uh, purchases and such. How, how do you think his legacy lives in Hollywood circles today? Well, he's, he's, he's has a mixed reputation amongst the, um, the auteurs of Hollywood, but, uh, you know, he, 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 he the, um, one thing he, uh, he made, he made, um, um, Debbie Reynolds cry when he, uh, gave away, so sold off so much of the uh, back lot and, uh, the, the ruby slippers and all that stuff, uh, in but he didn't see he didn't he he understood that Hollywood wasn't going to be a back lot uh, kind of place anymore. Uh, when he when he had it, 
Hollywood was transitioning. Television was taking over, uh, and, and and the old movies, uh, the the library of old movies. Kirk realized before anybody else did, except Ted Turner, that that was worth a fortune, and um, and so I, I think Kirk Kirk was uh, ahead of his time uh, in Hollywood as well. Um, so his. He made major. What he did with Ted Turner um, was was a both a brilliant move and a, the two daring guys, Ted Turner and Kirk Corian, were two uh, two gamblers uh, uh, the, working together, uh, um, and both of them ended up winning and losing in in the process. But uh, it's, it was a great partnership. It's 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 curious. Uh, I'd be curious to know if there was some sort of a. Uh, a mentality or approach that he used across all these different industries. I mean, we're talking about auto, casinos, film, aviation, like every single different sector. He seemed to hit, he, he hit strikes. Well, he yeah. struck gold. And I'm, I'm just, well, he, again, it, it, like the, like when he was trying to lose, um, um, in, um, with with that with the million dollar bet, uh, and 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 made and made a million dollars instead. Um, he with the, with the auto uh, with the Chrysler uh, tried to buy. He was going to take it private, and what he had in mind was going to make him. He, he thought he was going to make the stockholders uh, all wealthy, um, and 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 uh, his his plan was was thwarted by the by the. Um, uh, Chrysler board of directors, but in the end, Kirk ended up making th- almost three billion dollars. When he failed, he made three billion dollars in profit. But as Yalek Imanigian says, if, if it had worked, if the if the if the board hadn't stopped him, it would it would have been worth uh, to the stockholders uh, and and to Kirk in particular would have been worth twice, three times that. In 2010, when I was uh, the managing editor at Yerevan Magazine, I actually uh, went to Las Vegas and interviewed Alex Yemenijian, who was Kirk's right-hand man for so many years, uh, and he was, at that time, the owner of the Tropicana. He, mm-hmm. he, he's no longer the owner. He's since sold off his, his uh, share of that. And he told me that working with Kikorian was like getting private lessons from <laughs> Michael Jordan every single day. And, you know, he, he idolized uh, Kirk, just like a lot of Armenians idolize Kirk as a hero. And uh, I think he um, what, what Kirk has done specifically for this generation of, of people, not only Armenians, but anyone who has that, you know, uh, entrepreneurial business zeal, capitalist-like mentality, whatever, however you want to call it, um, is that he has given a blueprint to make even for, for people who have come from nothing to lead to something. And throughout your entire research, what do you think was the coolest thing that you took away that you've kind of, you've applied to your life? Well, Kirk, Kirk was one of, he's, he's old school in that. His handshake was his contract. Um, it's this, re- he reinforces the notion that you can be, you can have integrity and make a fortune. Um, and and as far as he was concerned, if you didn't have integrity, it wasn't worth making a fortune. Um, his 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 opinions about charity, I, I think, are the most inspiring. His the reason he he would he didn't want publicity 
uh, he said his his position was it isn't charity if you're getting something in return um, even if it's just acclaim and fame and 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 thanks and uh, uh, he wanted he wanted his charity to be pure his charitableness to be pure and so he gave it with with no strings attached except don't tell anybody I did it that's how he conducted his business too is with with full uh, uh, to, to me he was uh, the the um, the ultimate uh, champion of, of of honest capitalism um, and he was a master of capitalism when you mentioned you know kind of like that silent donor uh, mm -hmm. mentality um, in another interview I had was which was with Andre Agassi and Andre mm -hmm. Agassi of course uh, which a lot of people might not know his middle name is Kirk yes and his middle name is Kirk because Kirk is his godfather and Mike Agassi which was Kirk's uh, which was Kirk's casino boss at the time at the MGM and they mm -hmm. they they kind of had this family relationship with each other which you detail greatly in the book uh, which you know everyone should read and, and fully find out in detail in itself. But again, uh, Kirk donated uh, such a sum to Andre Agassi that his his uh, his his charter school ended up being paid in perpetuity. And, it's endowed forever. Yeah, yeah. And that's Kirk. That's Kirk. 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 Way before when 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 before Andre was born, he was Mike's Mike Andre Mike uh, Agassi's. Um, uh, employer and friend I mean and they met you know they, they met at a when when Mike Agassi was was serving at the uh, one of the casino restaurants um, and uh, he, he taught actually Mike taught Kirk a little bit of uh, tennis and his back in the in the day so um, the thing is that when the fire uh, fire burned the the first um, MGM grand uh, the terrible fire uh, Mike Agassi lost his job because the hotel was closed down, but Kirk sent him his uh, his monthly paycheck, monthly monthly uh, salary, every every month until the it was back up and running again, and he'd go back to work. So uh, they they had a special bond. What was that relationship like with him and, and Armenians in general? I mean, he had a he had a very unique. Uh, uh, I would say soft spot for Armenians in general. What was his circle like? Well, he had Armenians all uh, in high places. I mean, Alex, uh, uh, George Mason, uh, uh, Harut Sasunian. Um, they were, they were, they were. He trusted them. Uh, he trusted family. He um, and 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 the thing is, Kirk. One of the one of the things that made Kirk inspired loyalty all through his organization from the Armenians but also from from what, what we are Odars as I yes yeah, okay <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was always concerned about that until but um, uh, and the reason he inspired them that was always what I was looking for why the why this uh, loyalty to Kirk and uh, one of uh, uh, one of Kirk's uh, vice president, or I guess he was the CEO um, of one of the uh, MGM grants for a while, who said, uh, Kirk always uh, always took the risk, but he always shared the credit. 
So that's the kind of life by example that makes people want to work for you, want to do walk on glass for you. And so Kirk, that's what Kirk did. He brought, he brought that loyalty because he earned it. He didn't demand it. He just earned it. Mm-hmm. And when we get, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, let's talk about some of the, those high roller stories in <laughs> Vegas, which of course is what he's known for. And it, t- talk about that legacy that he's built in Las Vegas as well. We'll be right back. You're listening to Time Out with Manu Kakopian. And welcome back, everybody. And uh, as we were talking about Bill before we went on break, uh, Kirk's legacy in Las Vegas. A lot of people can go through the Wikipedia page and connect the dots for themselves and see what what he did at the MGM with MGM Resorts, what it ended up being. Uh, build as afterwards. I mean, the list starts with the MGM Grand and Mirage and Bellagio and on and on and on. Um, all of that is all of that is uh, material that you cover completely in the book, including his uh, his exploits in the movie industry, like we mentioned, buying and selling the MGM the MGM Movie Studios three times, which is which was at, at towards the the third purchase. Alex Yamanijian was running again and of course in the auto industry he had all of his exploits with Chrysler and General Motors and and in 2008 with Ford as well too which again you cover in the book but uh, everyone knows Kirk is Las Vegas probably the the man who's responsible for building Las Vegas to what it is now Uh, what do you think his legacy will be in that city well in Las Vegas he is the father of the uh the Grand Resort. Um, uh, when he built the International, it was the biggest hotel in the world. And the International uh, catered to families as well as, as high rollers. And uh, it had, it had you know, the biggest swimming pool this side of, uh, of Lake Mead. Um, but it, he, was, he was always going bigger. And so when he built this, the first MGM Grand, it was again the biggest hotel in the world, and it and it had all sorts of of uh, amenities that were uh, un, unknown to uh, you know, Motel Six or one of those. And then he built the second MGM Grand, and it was again the biggest hotel in the world. So you know, Kirk had this these grand ideas, and uh, and and. Uh, not all of them would work, but he, he but he took Las Vegas from a sleepy little uh, gambling town to a to, to the, the, the the massive uh, playground that it is, and uh, and I don't and he he did it by building. Howard Hughes, who was was his was who bought his way into Las Vegas, was sometimes considered the. I mean, he both uh, Howard Hughes and and Kirk Akorian, are credited with taking the mob out of uh, out of uh, Las Vegas and putting board, uh, stockholders in their place, uh, and that's true. But uh, but but Howard Hughes was a buyer and Kirk Akorian was a builder. Yeah, and um, when um, when he died, he uh, the MGM I believe turned the lights out from the exterior, didn't they? I think that's if they did they they had a they also uh, had his face up on their uh, their the big uh, 
the marquee, I marquee. Yeah, yeah. It was it, it was a show of respect for uh, for the a very special, I mean, and visionary uh, leader, not just uh, not just a gambler. Mm-hmm. But his legacy is also um, in today's day and age. You you mentioned the private and take me through his personal life as well too because um he had you know marriages that didn't work out he had um towards the end of his life there was a situation with with this child that um uh, kind of put him in the tabloids and that was by far the last thing he wanted and it 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 was a nasty it was a nasty situation that i'm sure he wanted no part of but unfortunately he had to deal with yeah i would say that that would probably rate as the biggest disappointment of his life was uh when he uh, uh, found himself not only in the tabloids but but uh, in court in very public court proceedings for um, uh, the girlfriend who faked a DNA test to uh, to claim that it was Kirk's baby and it was not um, Kirk however had agreed to, to take care of the child to give it every every financially the, the baby was going to be taken care of for life but that wasn't sufficient for the mother who wanted to the uh, to be Mrs. Kokorian and that was in this case she became Mrs. Kokorian for 28 days it was part of the court agreed deal um but but it, the ordeal of having to to have this fight over um child support which didn't need to be done because he had already agreed this baby was going to be grow up a millionaire in her own right <laughs> but obviously kirk also has two daughters tracy yes. and linda which uh he's named he named his foundation after tracinda uh did you get a chance to talk to kirk's daughters no they were part of the uh the the um the estate was was adamant that uh they would not not cooperate. None none of the the relatives, Kirk's last wife, the the one who was the the widow when he died, uh, Una Davis was was a uh, and it was a a companion of Kirk's for fifteen plus years, um, was very helpful, um, and and so there were and there were other others who were uh, uh, we talked to who who were. Uh, who knew about his personal life that were sh- that shared that I can't share with you, but I'm confident that what we have in the book is is quite um, is both accurate and and uh, insightful. I'm sure you spent countless hours at the library going through UNLV materials, reading books mm-hmm. and and such. But what was the coolest experience about this entire project? Oh well, I have to say, remind me the the. In the library at, at UNLV, we found a tape recording of an oral, the oral history that Kirk left, a a uh, a ninety minute interview with Kirk in his own voice, um, which which is absolutely golden, um, and was like finding, uh, you know, it's like finding a a gold nugget the size of a of a of a, of a house, so. Um, uh, and that library has other uh, oral histories with Kirk's contemporaries in in the uh, casino business, in Ve- in the Vegas uh, uh, politics and uh, finance world, and that was, 
I, I, I do say I, I love the UNLV uh, uh, special projects, their special collections library. And you mentioned UNLV, and we were talking about Kirk not wanting any of his donations mm. to uh, be out there. It, it reminded me of the, the story earlier this year when UNL, UNLV uh, received $25 million from Kikorian's, uh a, a foundation in 2015, shortly after his death. But the news didn't come out until 2019 when an, an, an administrative assistant accidentally leaked the flyers. <laughs> so it's, it, it just goes to show you that, um, you know, you can never, you can never, you can never have what you want. <laughs> well, the thing is, you know, the, 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 um, estate was concerned about protecting Kirk's privacy and and they did that his through his whole life which is was a worthwhile thing um, but at once they once the once he passed um, his legacy was so, is so valuable to the rest of us his legacy is su such a an inspiration that I think that was an error on the part of the um, estate to be so private because Kirk deserves to be known we can learn so much from him uh, and and it's 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 a very positive story with uh, with inspiration and and information for all for for business people and for kids for anyone who's interested in how to do it how to be a, a successful and and and, and uh, honest in uh, business person it's just it's just a great American tale and I'm I'm so glad that we have it uh, for 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 history. Yeah, and um, one I think some of the some of the cooler moments in the book was when you just described him as a normal person and how he would drink Folgers coffee and how he <laughs> would carry his own bags and he would not have a bodyguard. He would not any hand he would not have handlers. If he was at a gala or a grand opening, he would be in the corner. He would be the first one out of the room. And how he drove a, a Ford. Taurus and a Jeep Grand Cherokee, yet still had a hundred ninety foot yacht. Still had his own yes. seven thirty seven jet. Exactly. Still had a thirty acre compound in Beverly Hills where he can choose his own neighbors because he has so many houses on the lot. Yeah. Um, do you think he enjoyed his money? Do you think yes. he, he he enjoyed his spoils? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. No, he 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 enjoyed life. Um, and and uh, and at the same time, he didn't count he didn't consider it a uh, making him anything special he uh, he wanted to share it and he wanted to share it with his friends and his his uh, um, and, and people who needed it uh, so so he was not a businessman keeping score mm -hmm. in 1998 he also went to Armenia with Harut Sassoonian mm -hmm. that was during a time when he met the president and you know he kind of was still very active in his business dealings what were some cool stories you, th that you can quickly share from his from that visit to Armenia in 1998? Well, yeah, well, my favorite is the um, uh, a, a an artist who uh, was a, a sculptor who brought a uh, he had done a plaster cast of Kirk like a, a big bust, you know, like a, a, a small version of something you could put on Mount Rushmore, for instance, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 Kirk. Um, was uh, was flattered, but mostly he was alarmed <laughs> because he didn't want statues made of him, um, and that's what this was for. So, so uh, 
Kirk, Kirk invited uh, the artist to um, to sit down with him, and they and they negotiate, and, and Kirk just bought it. He bought the he bought his own head, and <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so uh, I don't know whatever became of it, but it never made it never uh, it does not exist apparently anymore. But Kirk does not display did not display it. I think it may have ended up the bottom of the Mediterranean, but um, not out of disrespect, but out of out of uh, Kirk's in, uh, desire to be, did not become a, a subject of uh, idolatry here. Mm-hmm. And this was probably done shortly after you had probably finished writing the book and had already submitted it for publishing, <laughs> but Gyumri, which was the yeah. uh, city largely affected by the earthquake in 1998, in 2018, they put a statue of Kirk Kerkorian in, in in the city. So yeah. it's he, yeah. he didn't it's, get his wish at the end anyway. I know, and in fact, that's where the book was issued originally. And they have I got a picture of of uh, the cover of uh, of the of the Gambler uh, with Kirk statue holding the book. So it's uh, uh, I kind of like it. So. Did he did Kirk speak Armenian? Uh, not well enough. I mean. It's all he spoke until he was uh, six, seven years old. He learned it, he learned English on the streets of Los Angeles, but he never was confident of it as an adult. And so when there was a, when they had the this big uh, uh, dinner party for the airlift, uh, the hundredth airlift of, of to Armenia, they had all the religious leaders from all the sects of the Armenian groups. And the president of Armenia and some other, anyways, all all of them in Century City. Uh, Kirk wanted to say something in Armenian to greet the people, but he didn't. You know, Kirk didn't do speeches either. He, he was terrified of public speaking, and so he, our Alex Yemenian was the was the MC, and uh, but Kirk Kirk goes goes up and, he, and the big applause. Every, the whole place is giving him an ovation. He can't speak, but he keeps he kept staying close to 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 Alex to make sure he's having Alex remind him how to say "Long live Armenia" in Armenian, which he delivered perfectly. But he wasn't confident right up until he did it that he could pull it off. That's, but that was Kirk's shyness coming through as well as his. Uh, but but you know he knew he knew Armenian he he was, um, he just didn't use it very much as an adult and uh, like I said, it's all they spoke in at, at the, in the family farm. I know he uh, he he worked a lot late in his life, but there was a certain point where due to health reasons he had to. Well, yeah, he he lost his his eyesight was failing. He had macular degeneration, uh, so he he could not play. Play tennis after uh, uh, after his late late eighties. He was he was, he tried he tried. He was very stubborn about that, he, and he, he had injections in his eyes to to try to keep the uh, degeneration at, at bay. Um, uh, and he um, you know he he, he missed be, I think missed having deals to make. That's for sure. Um, so it was, but. You know, I, I saw a uh, I saw a fun video at, at one point. I think it was Una Davis uh, had it. A um, Kirk Kirk was trying to show his uh, um, his his friends his uh, his his doctor, in fact, how to box. 
uh, some some little boxing. And and there's a video taken in his foyer of his home in Beverly Hills. He's got the boxing gloves on, and he's got his doctor's Israeli has put boxing gloves on it at Kirk's insistence. And, and Kirk is telling him, okay, try to hit me. I'm gonna, he's going to show him how to block a <laughs> Israeli. The doctor just refused. No, no, I'm not, I'm not going to try to hit you. And and Kirk said, all right, I want you to try to hit me. I, how can I show you? Anyway, Kirk was, he was probably at this point 93 or 94. He's still trying to, he's still a, a boxer at heart, and he's still, he was still trying to teach somebody, um, his doctor of all people, who re- just absolutely refused to take a swing at him, even though he was requesting, demanding, insisting. Uh, I love that moment. It was just uh, so Kirk, and and of course the doctor, terrified. I'm sure. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was always the athlete. Um, I remember he was ranked in his. Uh, he was ranked for his age group as a senior while he was playing tennis. That's right. And you know, as um, I remember an anecdote in your book where you mentioned he hated golf because <laughs> of he, he how how bored it was and how it was in a yeah, physical he, challenge yeah, to he, him. Yeah, he he uh, he he demonstrated. He, he reached down. And uh, and pick, plucked some grass and held it up and let it drop to see which way the wind was blowing. And he thought, any sport where you got to do that, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> With, um, you know, fascinating life indeed. Is there someone you can compare him to as to what kind of a figure uh, he holds in, from the, from a twentieth century perspective as someone having so a formative hand in so many different things? Well, you could you could I think compare him uh, certainly to a um, to some of the old titans of uh, you know the the uh, the Morgans, the Whitneys, the um, um, the, the the Commodore uh, Vanderbilt uh, that that crowd in the previous, but it, he's very different from the guys in the twentieth twenty first century, the the uh, um, uh, the the Bill Gateses and the uh, and and uh, the, the folks in in the in the in Silicon Valley, there, he was very proud of the fact Kirk was, and he wasn't often wouldn't often express his pride in anything, but he was very proud of the fact that he was a uh, that he was he made these fortunes in multiple arenas. Uh, Bill Gates, great guy, but he all it was it was, it was just Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft. So, um, but Kirk did it in. In automobile, air, aviation, uh, resorts, and gambling, um, and, he, and and he loved that. He was very proud of himself to only his closest friends because you don't. He wasn't a man of pride. And when he passed away in 2015, and when I went to the gravesite, he was buried on. He was buried on the same plot of land as his father, uh, sharing the same gravestone, and next to him was his mother and sister what did uh, what kind of a, a relationship did he have with his family and and how close was he that kind of led him to i mean he could have bought he could have bought an entire graveyard for himself and been buried alone if he wanted to he could have had, done it any which way you see oh, these, he could have built a monument for exactly himself. you see ah. you see these you see these grandiose gravestones and such but this was just a humble tombstone yes well that's kirk uh, he would never have done a, um, anything uh, ostentatious, but he was he was very close to his sister Rose, who, who lived to be 102. I mean, 
preceded him in death only. Good uh, genes in that family. Wow. Yeah. And uh, and his mother was a was his uh, he, his mother was a, the special person in his life. His father was an inspiration too, uh, but he's a little more old school, uh, t- tough uh, tough love kind of guy. So uh, and his his brother Nish Kirk took Kirk set him up in his own uh, nightclub in Las Vegas. So uh, he took care of his brothers. He took care of his sister, and uh, and they were like that, you know, just tight as could be. You know, just an inspirational figure, and I think your book does such a great job by breaking down why, breaking down how, and I think it's a must-read for every Armenian because he's essentially, uh, you mentioned Mount Rushmore earlier, but he's on the Mount Rush. he'll always be on the Mount Rushmore as the most instrumental and foundational Armenian figures who have not only helped the country but held it to its highest standards. I mean, quite frankly, I don't think who, who can ever replace him just by all the great deeds that he's done. So um, I think it's a book that everyone must read, and it's uh, and I can't thank you enough for, oh, for, for, for breaking down so many different stories. And I'm sure we missed so much oh, more, just, yeah. so much more, because uh, but the book really does a great job breaking it down. And uh, on behalf of the Armenian community, we thank you for, for doing that because the, his story will now live forever. Yes, I, I appreciate that so much. I, uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much, Bill. And ho- hoping um, somehow th- there is an update to the book years down the line where you discover more cool uh, stories to, to add to it. Anyone knows, give me a call. And thanks to all the listeners for joining to Time Out with Manu Kakopian. And we'll catch you on the next episode next week.